Coming up, as Team USA continues to roll through the FIBA slate of suckers to fall at their feet, we look at Mikhail Bridges, Cameron Johnson, how they're performing with some of the best players in the NBA and why it will continue to be the baseline for a successful season in Brooklyn. We dive in, coming up next. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ah, yes, my friends, it is the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. Over there, you're going to find Doug Norrie. He's the owner-operator of DFSR. For all your daily fantasy sports rankings from DraftKings to FanDuel, he's got you covered. I'm Adam Armbrecht, breaking down your New York football giants on the One Giant Podcast and the New Jersey Devils on the Devils Puck Luck Podcast. We thank you for making us your first listen of the day. We are 100% free on all those great platforms. And Doug, if ever there was a doubt... If FIBA is a showcase for why USA basketball still remains supreme, they are rolling through the group stage, already locking up their advancement out of Group C. And Mikhail Bridges and Cameron Johnson have been contributing along the way. Yeah, it's been fun, man. Like it's rare, you know, you don't usually sign up to have late August basketball going that where you can actually sort of like at least this if you're on the East Coast, wake up early or, or, or early-ish, depending on when you get up, and uh just watch some hoops in the morning and pretty and you know, fairly competitive or very competitive uh hoops going here with the FIBA um tournament rolling. And the, you're right, the USA team has looked at least in this game against Greece, looked really pretty dominant uh, at no point really you know without Giannis on the Greece side of this thing it just had his brother didn't really agree uh, Greece never really kind of posed any kind of threat but watching guys like Mikhail Bridges watching guys like Cameron Johnson roll with this group we talked about it a few weeks ago how we were just really excited to see it happen and it's kind of playing out like we thought it would and I just think it's just such a good thing for the Nets to have these two guys be able to play a with this group and B, like you said, be really meaningful contributors to this group because, you know, this is among the, the core of the young talent in the league right now, right? You know, year three uh, ish on sort of is the average, I think for most of these guys. And these guys are hanging and, and with Mikhail just starting and, and becoming a really high level contributor. So it's been really cool to see so far. We'll, we'll keep talking about why we think it's important, but in general, it's like, it feels like FIBA, it's kind of like a lifeline in the basketball right now where usually it would have been an absolute and utter dead zone here, but uh, it feels a little bit different because of it. Yeah. And I think too, it's, you know, like we know stylistically, right. The, the teams that you're going up against some, they have some teams have a couple of NBA guys. Other ones are kind of, you know, European lifers, right. And you only see them around FIBA tournaments around the Olympics. But what's, what's nice about it from an NBA standpoint and for Mikhail Bridges and Cameron Johnson is that you at least get these different versions of style of play where you get like a five-minute chunk of a game, even against Greece, where you go, well, that's size. I mean, that can really get the best of anybody, even if they're not as athletic as you are. And what I've enjoyed for everybody that's on for Team USA is there's the difference between talent level and then IQ level, right? Like you need to know how to use your skill set. And that's what I've always liked about USA basketball in any capacity is that you end up saying, well, we all could take over a game. We all could be ball dominant, but how do we actually function together? And all these guys get to go back to their teams, especially the younger players, and say, I've gotten probably a better experience 
about why me scoring 45 a night is not as long-term valuable as 35 a night and getting other people involved. Mikhail Bridges and Cameron Johnson for their roles as veterans in the league and have having been supporting guys in Phoenix kind of know exactly how to serve those needs, right? So it's a fun dynamic yep. to watch. Yeah, look, if you look at the starting lineup, four of these five guys uh, are basically at least either are or for long stretches of the season were sort of the high usage guys on their own teams, right? Jalen Brunson, right. we saw that he ended up becoming sort of the Knicks offensive engine uh, as he should have been. Uh, obviously, Anthony Edwards really don't need much of an explanation there, and he's about to probably take another leap going into the season. He's the he's sort of the high usage guy even on this team of guys, right? Yeah. Um, and then Brandon Ingram, when Zion's not on the court, uh, takes over that role for the Pelicans. And we saw Mikhail Bridges sort of do this or definitely do this with the Nets uh, after the Phoenix trade where he became, you know, the the most sort of prolific and reliable scorer on the Nets team. The only guy you could say this is not about is Jaron Jackson Jr. And he's just an absolute defensive monster. So right. if you are putting five of those guys together on the court at the same time, you know, you do sometimes sort of open yourself up for – maybe problematic style of play. They, I think they kind of identified Edwards early as the alpha on this team. Like the way the rhetoric sort of came out around the team uh, was a lot about him. And he was just playing to a point where it was like, okay, everyone's going to kind of be okay with him taking the most shots, at least among the starting group. But when you have sort of malleable pieces on your team that you know can ascend to the next level, that, I mean, really that is the hope for any basketball team to have guys like that that can play within a team structure, but also – kind of get theirs if they see that the supporting cast around them isn't up to snuff, right? And, yeah. and I think that's what we saw with Bridges for long stretches last season was like, hey, you know, he kind of looked around and was like, hey, I have the skill set by which to be a really, really high usage guy now that I'm not with Chris Paul or Devin Booker and some of these other guys. Um, we've seen him dial it back a little bit here with the national team. I mean, he only took six shots uh, in this game, although that was second most among starters. If you're watching the game after only Anthony Edwards. Um, but in general, I think bridges bridges, probably more than most of these other guys is well suited for this role because he's been done. He's been, he's done both things in his career already. Yeah. He's been a really, really super elite role player with Phoenix and is now stepping into budding superstar territory. And I think we're seeing sort of that same thing unfold with FIBA. Well, by the way, too, uh, as you say, the stat lines are hard to look at too, right? Number of shots, et cetera, because the, in general, it's going to be far more balanced than you would find typically on an, on an NBA team. So then when it comes to Mikhail Bridges and, and Cameron Johnson had a, a relatively quiet game against Greece, was trying to find a shot there early when he got on the court. But it's like you have to take a, a very small sample size when it comes to number of shots because you yeah. do spread them around so much. And we're going to go. Well, and I think too, on. I yeah. real quick about that. I think that like they've all sort of they've all sort of bought in around the team concept here, right? Of course, One, they're trying yeah. to they're trying to get out and run a lot, right? So they're not running anytime that they're trying to get out. And if you watch the game, you can see they're trying to get out and transition as much as possible. And if you're trying to get out and transition, that is going to outside of triple J is going to spread the shots out pretty evenly, right? Cause whoever's leaking um, or starting the break is going to sort yeah. of <laughs> exactly. Right. So like, I think like just by nature of how they want to play, which is fast and athletic that you are going to see a shot distribution chart that looks pretty even. And they also have been pretty good about adding guys on this team that aren't, complete and utter chuckers right like yes. they they are offensive sort of engine -y guys but even like Jalen Brunson is a really high is a higher usage high assist guy right Tyler's Halliburton yeah. is the same way like 
he can have a high usage, but the guy was one of the leading guys in his, you know, leading league, led the league, close to leading the league in assists. I got there um, <laughs> last, last best year. Player in that game, best player in the game might have been Josh Hart, ultimately, for all of his contributions. And he's, you know, a high level role player, even at the NBA level, but, but it, it plugs exactly. in correctly, right? Exactly. Jack of all trades guy, Austin Reeves. Like Austin Reeves had 15 points, also added six assists, right? He was probably like yeah. the MVP of the game, even though it was like a little more garbagey time for him, but he still looked really, really good. So like you can just see how this team melds together. And the part where these two guys sort of just are not along for the ride, but like have all kind of defined into their roles is is, is really, really encouraging. So uh, we want to talk more a little more about Cameron Johnson too, and just sort of like this team also, but like, wouldn't you agree with that? Oh, of course. And that's why I think coming up here in a second, how does what Mikhail Bridges and Cameron Johnson are doing at FIBA apply in a positive way for a very young roster in the Brooklyn Nets in the upcoming season? We'll dive into that next. All right, before we get into that, get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. I'm going to read you this offer that FanDuel has going here for new customers. You're almost not even going to believe it. It's so good. I, I almost didn't believe it when I first read it. It was so good. Right now, over on FanDuel, new customers, you bet $5, and you can get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. So you're like, okay, $5, $200 in bonus bets. I can use the bonus bets for basically every single thing that FanDuel offers. Also, this is where it, this is where I, my brain started to explode. All customers who bet $5 will get $100 off the NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. So this is a, a, I would call this like having your cake and eating it too when it comes to betting because you're going to be able to get $5 in for the $200 back in bonus bets. And then you're also just going to grab yourself $100 off NFL Sunday ticket. So you're locked in every Sunday. It's the best time to join FanDuel. That one's easy. The app is easy to use. You can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. Just go check out everything they have for NFL. You'll spend all day over there. They have so much stuff. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. Kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Okay, so talking about FIBA performances, not only uh, overall, but also Mikhail Bridges and Cameron Johnson. One little footnote you mentioned um, before we talked about the Nets roster and the impact. Austin Reeves, I, I was reading the other day how in the offseason, um, the San Antonio Spurs were one team that had some money to throw around and they were there toying around with putting in an offer for a little Austin Reeves. And it was like three years for 60 or maybe five at like 20 million, whatever. And they ultimately backed off because the premise was the Lakers were going to match anything. Yeah. And then he signed <laughs> and then he signs a four year 52 million. And it was like, I just, I, sorry, NBA. The collusion level between organizations is just dripping sometimes because there's no world Maybe not everyone saw the footprint, but when you watch Austin Reeves in FIBA, it's like, oh, this dude does it all. And he's pretty yeah. effective. You know what I mean? He's not just this guy that needs to play with a superstar. Now, he's on a great team right now, but I just thought that was hilarious. Like, you go and look at the numbers, and I immediately go, now, if they had cut Spencer Dinwiddie and moved Dorian Finney-Smith, what do you have to do there where you could have thrown something in the water? So I just had to put that vibe out there when we're talking about guys that are having a great performance at FIBA. Yeah, dude's coming off like a Western Conference Finals where he scored 21 points on 55, uh, 55 from the field, 56 from three, and 100% from the line. So he in the in and now they got swept <laughs> by the Nuggets, but Neither in the games there. that mattered most, when he was playing 40 minutes a game, he was a 55, 56, 100 guy, <laughs> like yeah. in in the high, like not bad, not bad. Um, and I'm the gonna go. Level. 
by the way, I'll go a layer deeper here because it, it, I, I, these are all things that came into my brain here. So um, if you go over and look at odds on FanDuel for most improved player, and Mikhail Bridges yeah. leads that category. But there is a world, as you said, who's been named the alpha. It's Anthony Edwards. There is a world where he could be a candidate for that because it's the exponential growth that he had a great season. He's already established. But with where Minnesota is, there's a chance that Cat gets traded at some point here. Like he may become the everything for that team in very short order. He's something like, I got to go pull. I think he's plus 2,600 or something right now. He is so far down that list that a speculative drop of a couple bucks bucks on that. I just, to your point about him being kind of matchup proof, he's just big enough, right? He has enough size to go in the lane. He shoots from the outside. There are guys right now that I think are making very strong cases for what this upcoming season could look like that for them from a growth standpoint. Uh, g- give me your feedback on that. Cause I have another guy that plays at FIBA that's a candidate for something completely different in this upcoming season. Well, I actually thought you were going to say Reeves is most important, most improved because he's at plus 1600 on FanDuel. Like he's the, he's actually tied for third, uh, fourth right now in best overall odds. Uh, it's Mikhail Bridges. I'm going to, I'm going to get that words in a second, but yeah. it's Mikhail Bridges at plus 700. It's Reeves at plus 1600. I'm not going to list every guy. Yeah. They have a ton of different guys here. Uh, and then Anthony Edwards at plus 2600. And there's another guy that's on FIBA that's on this, uh, or Brunson actually at plus 3,400. So in some ways, like FIBA is, is stockpiled full of guys. It's actually interesting when you think about it this way. It's like, are there stockpile guy full of guys who are either like right at the cusp of the superstar level or like already are kind of superstars, mm-hmm. but they're not like that absolute top tier. But if you look at most improved player odds, of which we mentioned again for the third time, Mikael Bridges is the leader. And it makes sense why he's there. Like he's going to have a massive role actually. And he has the, he has the chance to have the biggest like season over season jump just because mm-hmm. his numbers uh, at Phoenix were just like drove down a lot of his overall season production. But like FIBA is chock full of guys who are about to make the leap. Right. So you have Bridges, you have Austin Reeves, who's clearly as is, already started. I just read you his numbers from the Western Commerce finals. Uh, and then you have Edwards who. I think we've all seen it. Like everyone's kind of known that he was going to be there. That at times there was maybe some efficiency issues. You're like worried out. Oh, is it like mixed really well with, with Gobert? Is it going to work with Towns? Like how is this overall going to work? Is he going to be the alpha on the, on the Timberwolves team? I think the answer is clearly yes. I, I think they probably need to make some functional changes to the team too. But it is cool seeing this team being made up of a lot of guys who are just at the doorstep of being like, like sort of the changing of the guard of like the next group of like real, I mean, at least in this case, American superstars. Cause obviously you don't have Jokic and Giannis and some of these Luca, right? Like the, some of these dudes just aren't there, but I mean, if you scroll down the list a little further, buddy, uh, one, Mr. Cameron Johnson is at plus 4,000 on this list. Too. He's right, there, I, like, I, right in the sweet spot. Well, I, I mean, I just I mentioned, I just usage talked and everything else. It's about situations that create these opportunities, right? Oh, dude, I tweeted this out like two weeks ago that I said that he is actually kind of a dark horse for this award because what you need to I did a lot of stuff into this last year where I was trying to pick out um, like what I thought were really, really good bets. I thought LaMelo Ball actually was the guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I stand by that. That was right. LaMelo could do it again. Like the process was correct. But I remember having the two conversations. You walked me through the reasons why. And I was like, man, that makes a ton of sense. And it was about three seconds later, you know, where you go. 
Well, it's, it's still the right practice, but that's not going to work out. Well, he got like, hurt. He, he just got hurt. Sat out. It, like the team stunk so bad, and he was hurt yeah. for most of the season. So, like whatever. And Shea actually, and, and Shea Gilgis Alexander, who ended up winning it, like he checked all those boxes. Like he was a huge usage guy. He just went to this next total level, like this yeah. total superstar level. We're seeing this on display in FIBA too. But what you need to have. Um, at the risk of going very long here. Like what you need to have to win most improved player is like you need to have a chance to take a lot of shots, first of all. Like, and that's gonna that's gonna knock a lot of guys out of the running just because the teams aren't gonna allow them to take a lot of shots. That's why you see the group at the Jordan top Poole like twenty six hundred. Exactly. Like oh, he could his stats can improve a lot just because he gets yeah. to shoot every shot, you know, except for what Kuzma takes uh, in, in Washington. Cade's coming off a, a, a down year because he was injured. You know, Maxi of Harden gets traded like the, all mm-hmm. these guys have to fit sort of a bill of like be able to do a lot on the ball. Right. <laughs> like yeah. a ton. Cameron Johnson is going to have that chance this year. Like he's going to be he might take the second most shots on the team. We were having a very good discussion among a bunch of, of uh, Nets, you know, Nets guys, Billy Reinhardt, friend of the show, like having this discussion around saying like where the where the usage is going to go for Cameron Johnson. And we did an episode on it going back a couple of weeks. And there was some pushback about, well, you know, he's an off ball guy. And where is he going to no. possibly find that? By the way, when we went and split that up, I remember when we did the episode, but the numbers after the trade. Mikhail Bridges was 30% usage in the 27 games for the Brooklyn Nets. So he was already going high leverage. Now, Cameron Johnson, as we had iterated, was 21 and a half, and Spencer Dimmy was 22. But but my point there, and why just on this, hey, maybe go put down a couple bucks at Fandle, um, because Cameron Johnson is the usage is going to change. The on ball is going to change. And you actually see at FIBA the grease game notwithstanding, especially in the games leading up to it, Cameron Johnson is doing the thing that you need to which is attack the closeout off the dribble, go into the paint. And we highlighted the numbers of 63% uh, true shooting percentage going at the basket. That's over league average. He's elite at doing that thing. And everywhere that his shots dispersed were either three-point shots or at the basket. Cameron Johnson doesn't like the mid-range game, but the nice thing was the volume came down from beyond the arc and he was still able to be productive. So these are things, as we round ourselves back into the Brooklyn Nets and, and the sample size from FIBA, that really point to Cameron Johnson specifically being able to take a really nice leap forward. Let's go ahead and drill down just a little bit further here. We'll talk about Mikhail Bridges again, and then look at the Nets roster. Why is what they are doing right now at FIBA so important to the team's success going forward? Okay, so when we think about the Brooklyn Nets specifically and coming out of this FIBA run from Mikhail Bridges and Cameron Johnson, nobody on the FIBA roster is going to be compared with young players on the Nets roster. I don't think, you correct me if I'm wrong, Doug, jump in whenever you want. I don't think there's an Anthony Edwards on the roster currently. But what's nice about it is that Mikhail Bridges and Cameron John, and Mikhail Bridges specifically, he understands how to facilitate, not, not even the better player, but to facilitate the best for the players that are on the court with him. And this is where I think some of the young guys, uh, uh, Cam Thomas, could really benefit in the upcoming season of having a veteran that, yes, is going to be high usage, but also seems to have a high-functioning basketball IQ about what is needed most from him in order to win basketball games. And that's what Mikael Bridges and Cameron Johnson are about right now. You just came over from Phoenix. This is your team. The last thing you want to do is be a high-usage guy, candidate for most improved, and be 15 games under 500 through, you know, a month and a half into the season. Uh, that's why this experience, I think, is even great. I'm not, I don't think like anyone's gonna worry about Bridges. <clears throat> excuse me, having like 
you know, an ego here. I mean, all signs have no. pointed that he's just like the absolute best teammate in the entire world. So um, there's no worries there. But then there's like this other reinforcement, I think, that happens from playing at these high level international things, which have to be all around team. It's like that now go out and just like now you don't worry about it at all. Right. Like he's coming right. off this a stint here where he went sort of like back to a mini role player. And so going into the season here with the Nets, you just have to feel so good about it because I think this is just like the greatest baseline of sort of like what needs to happen for your team. You understand it better here than anywhere else, right? Where you're going to be better than some guys, you're going to be worse than other guys. But like uh, understanding that the, the function of the team is what's going to really ultimately win the day and that at the same time the confidence boost i think that all, and i think this actually applies to cameron johnson a little bit more than bridges the confidence boost that like hey when i'm playing with these guys i can also just stay i can also just hold my own with this group also cam johnson right. took the second most shots in the team in this game <laughs> i didn't make a lot of them but he had his seven shots were the second most behind only anthony edwards that's a really good sign for him specifically right like i think that him like him coming through this process with his role, I think sort of expanding in an offensive atmosphere is really, really good for him. And then, like you said, with Bridges coming through this, coming through this experience of team play, but all and also sort of understanding about how to bring like this next group of guys along, because we're going to talk timeline and other stuff here down the line um, with the with with where the Nets are sort of in their timeline. But that's going to be a really important function for this team too. Is like it really can't be the Mikhail Bridges show. The whole season, like there has to be player development that ha I don't, I'm not worried about it happening, but just to read like just to sort of reinforce the idea, like it just can't happen that way because they just have too many guys to develop. <laughs> like they've just had too yeah. many guys that really need to sort of ball out a little bit here. And I think that's even better to come off this, this, uh, this whole situation is just like a full understanding of sort of like, Hey, there's, there's things bigger than just the individual player. Yeah, to to reiterate on FIBA with Cameron Johnson specifically too, to be on that roster and like you said, you know Anthony Edwards, the alpha. Okay, but but the roster is also collectively saying Cameron Johnson, like we we want to put the ball in your hands, right? We want yeah. you taking maybe the second most shots in a given game because you have that value and you understand the things that get created off of it. Austin Reeves would be the good example of a player. Yes, who is taking that next step, as we said but is a beneficiary of having the right spacing of, of having an Anthony Edwards on the court with you of having a Cameron Johnson on the court with you to kind of free some things up. The other thing then that you mentioned there too, is thinking about the Brooklyn nets. It's funny. Mikhail Bridges and Cameron Johnson are the stewards of, of this yeah. transitional era of basketball for the Brooklyn nets. We need you to be the perfect kind of teammates, the right faces of the franchise. We also need you to be really good. Like, let's not mince any words here. You need to be the best versions and arguably even better, right? But you also need to afford the opportunities for the younger players to develop. You need to try to put some of these guys in a good position. We need to come out of this year and say, oh, oh, you know, Watford is going to be a player for us or Baisley. Okay. We can go with this guy, right? Dennis Smith jr. Let's re up his contract because he functions well in this system. It's such a push and pull organizationally coaching. And then from these guys, we can't turn around. It almost might be a detriment. If Mikhail Bridges and Cameron Johnson are considered these unheralded players that are doing so well, but nobody else, right? We don't hear about anybody else on the Brooklyn Nets roster. It's a weird way to look at it, but understanding the season is not championship level in terms of expectations. You have to serve two paths here, and it's one time when I think the Nets are right to be doing that, especially with these players. I love that word, Stuart. I think that's actually, like, the perfect word. Like, I 
I was I was just I'm blown away by it because I think that like that is like because they're you know, are they superstars you from a guy like me you know <laughs> I I didn't maybe that's why no it's just really good it's just a really really good word like it, it is actually probably what their app their function is right now it's like they're and you know the word steward is like you know, just the person who looks after something right like in this usually like a vessel or something but like um just making sure that things are good. Right. Not yeah. to, and not to make it all about themselves either. It's like to make sure that things are going fine through this trip. Right. Um, there's lots of different functions of like how that word could be used. But like, yeah, like that is what their probably ultimate role is here is to make sure that this team is not a dumpster fire. Right. Because they know they can't lose. Um, it's to be competitive. No one is putting them, either of them, Bridges or Johnson or anybody in like the top 20 best players in the league right now. So like we already know the Nets are behind the talent eight ball when it comes to that. Now, maybe they can make it up more like, you know, greater than the sum of the parts sort of thing. Mm -hmm. That's the great hope for this season. But, you know, visioning these guys as this slightly older young guy, who who, because that's who they both are, right? They're not young. They're not exactly young. (laughs) Um, And that's there to just make sure that this team is functional, competitive, and has the right attitude. Yeah, I think Stewart is the exact, ex- total, exact right way to describe like what these guys are for the team, and we're sort of seeing it on display here now. And I think it's just going to carry over into the rest of the season. It's probably really important for guys like Simmons too, like to see yeah. these guys and play with these guys and like know that they're sort of like that they've ascended to another level that's beyond him too. I think that's like important. I think going forward, I think there's a lot of sort of like a really important sort of narrative pieces that have come out of this. Yeah, FIBA, we said it at the time of them going and playing there and what it was going to mean for Mikhail Bridges and Cameron Johnson. We were excited about it. And and as it's still unfolding here, it looks like there are going to be additional value points that maybe we didn't even think about initially coming in. And the Ben Simmons one is another really good one, something I think we'll tap into as we start to work towards training camp in September, right? What is the hierarchy of this team and, and how do you build a unit that you think can overachieve when it comes to the upcoming season? Uh, we're going to do a whole episode too on the on Cameron Johnson as just like most improved player too because I think that that was like something that we sort of sort of t- started talking about here, but we'll m- lay out a really strong case for like why it can happen. We'll also go back like th- sort of historically through a lot of the players that will have won that award in the past and like see if there is actually like a real is there a real path for that to happen. And if you're interested in watching more FIBA, the U- U.S. plays Jordan on uh, Wednesday. You're on the East Coast. Set that alarm, 4.40 a.m. Uh, so if you want to, if you're up right and early, that's I get up early, and that's early, too early, maybe a little too early for the, the Ducks. <laughs> but, uh, uh, <laughs> so, all right, but in the meantime, before that, make sure the first thing you need to watch is you need to go over and watch Locked on Nets YouTube. We've crested over 6,000 uh, subscribers. That was the goal. I'm already sick and tired of looking at that number, and it's on to 7,000. So if you are not, if you have not subscribed to Lockdown Nets over on YouTube, make sure you do that now. It's totally free. It's the best way to help the show. Subscribe on YouTube to Lockdown Nets. The morning had dawned clear and cold with a crispness that hinted at the end of summer. Why, that's Georgie R.R. Martin. Oh, you know what? Son of a gun. I was going to guess it. I was going to, I was like, I know that one. And, uh, Hey, finish the last book, you, you, you fool. This guy's been sitting on this book forever. Um, What's, what alerts to the Christmas of finishing now, a series? I'm going to say one. I, usually I say RIP of the guy's dead. He's alive, but you wouldn't yeah. know it by the publishing schedule. So uh, one of the all-time great poets. We'll be back again tomorrow talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball.